0: Tackling a pretty massive, pow- uh, massive topic today is power dynamics. And even if you're unfamiliar with the phrase, you're undoubtedly familiar with the idea of power dynamics. Uh, this idea underwrites pretty much every interpersonal interaction that you might have on a daily basis. It goes from being an older sibling to the TSA agent at the airport. Uh, power ebbs and flows from you throughout the day. Um, a really quick bio about me. Um, I've been in and out of specialty coffee for the last seven years. Um, as they mentioned, uh, I work with companies and organizations like akayan Coffee Quality Institute and Mr. Espresso to make them look really awesome online and I use uh, writing and photography to do this. Um, earlier this year, I uh, wrote about my personal experiences in this industry and racism and sexism, and I published this on Medium. It was called "On Racial and Gender Equity in the Coffee Industry," and it, this article opened up a lot of unexpected opportunities, like how I'm standing on this kind of stage today. Um, and it also uh, raised some criticisms, um, uh, just like Michelle's did. Uh, Now, I'm ready to talk about those criticisms. Um, So, in the past few months, to get ready for this particular talk, I solicited stories on how power dynamics have affected your coffee career. And I'll be using those stories today, um, anonymized with fake names and with their permission. Uh, So, I'll identify a couple of categories. Uh, There are three that I found um, in trends from all these stories that were submitted to me, and these are mostly in consuming countries in a retail environment. Uh, and these three categories are uh, the employer-employee, the barista-customer, and the peer-to-peer. Uh, I only have 20 minutes, um, so there are way more power dynamics out there. Uh, I'm not going to be able to talk about all of them. Uh, and I want to also acknowledge that power does not have to be negative. It's not. A bad thing. Um, However, these first stories are going to be negative just to highlight how they can be used poorly. Um, After these categories, I'm going to start talking about some solutions with positive stories. Okay. So this first story uh, to understand what power dynamics are is actually my own. Um, I'm going to call this person Adam. I was being driven home by Adam from a client meeting, and uh, essentially we were coworkers, peers in uh, this industry. And um, we're talking about living in San Francisco. I live in San Francisco now. Uh, So he asks me, why did you move to San Francisco? This is a perfectly legit question, because it's a city of transplants. Uh, And I give him my pretty standard response, which was um, I moved from Chicago, And that winter of 2014, with the two polar vortexes, really, really sucked. And if you were in New York in that winter, you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, So I've been in the Midwest for 15 years and I didn't want any more winters. Um, And I work remotely, so I can pretty much go anywhere. Um, Also, coincidentally, uh, my boyfriend found a job in San Francisco and Uh, the company paid for us both to move out there. Um, So out of this whole conversation, Adam replies with, oh, so you moved for your boyfriend. But he didn't stop there. Uh, He asked about uh, my boyfriend's job. He asked how much he must make and how that's really great for me. So, I'm really thankful that my boyfriend's company moved us both out there, that's really awesome. Um, but you know, it's, it's a relationship and you both make important life decisions together. Uh, I'm also capable of making my own decisions. Um, and for the record, I pay half the rent in San Francisco which is pretty much as expensive as the city. Um, so this story is an example of multiple power dynamics at work. Power is the, the potential for an individual or group to influence another individual or group. And this definition is from Harvard Business Review's article called Power Dynamics in Organizations. Uh, the story I just told you about Adam is a pretty blatant illustration of sexism. Uh, there's also the fact that we worked together as peers and he was driving the car, having literal uh, power over my physical presence. Influence is The exercise of power to change behavior. Uh, I didn't feel like I could say anything. What I really wanted to do was yell at him, be angry, and maybe punch him in the throat. Um, (laughs) But I couldn't do that because he was driving the car. (laughs) Uh, We were also co-contractors at the same company. Um, It was a very small company, so I felt this need to make nice. Um, And at the very end of this, I just basically controlled my anger until I left the car. Power dynamics can run a whole gamut. Um, There's organizational power, like you would find in a company. There's social power dynamics, like the ones I'm listing here. Uh, And a lot of these stories today are going to cross into other areas. Um, Hopefully, you'll be able to identify them as I tell these stories. The very first story I'm gonna talk about, um, the idea is uh, about employer and employee. So this is a structural power. Uh, The managers have literal power over the employee's schedule, the pay, uh, sometimes even the outfits that you wear. Um, You can't change this power, it's not a negative thing, it's really more of how you use this power and the ways that you're able to give power to the employees. So this this next story is uh, about Brian. I'm calling him Brian. Um, he's a barista. He is in college, a student, uh, really into coffee. And he's willing to do pretty much anything he wants or anything he wants. Uh, anything you can to get into coffee. And this sounds like a pretty familiar story um, on how you probably got into coffee. Um, and his ultimate goal is to become a roaster. Uh, so he was hired as a barista at a local drive through This company also happened to be a roaster. So this is the perfect company for him. A few months in, he realized that he needed money Uh, for rent and tuition, he needed more money. So he took on a second job, a second part-time job in the same company in the roasting facility as their assistant production manager. Uh, So at this time he's working seven days a week, but under 40 hours. A few months later, the owner moves him back to being only a barista at the drive-through because another barista didn't want to do his job responsibilities. And Brian's pretty unhappy. Uh, So he asks for a 50-cent raise, and he was given this raise, but not before the owner verbally insulted him a bunch. Six months later, uh, the owner talks about how Brian is lazy and doesn't care about his job. Um, Obviously, if you're a student and you're working seven days a week, I wouldn't call that lazy. Um, and this is Brian's first coffee job. Uh, this is his introduction into the specialty coffee industry, and it's only one of the stories that I received of many about employers taking advantage of employees. The second power dynamic I want to identify is that of the barista and then the customer. Uh, so in this sense, um, there's more power being held with the customer, because the customer is exchanging money. Uh, for services or goods, and sometimes both. Uh, The is also working for tips. And I learned yesterday that Australia doesn't have tips, so this power dynamic is a little lessened over there. Um, But because of this power dynamic, uh, the customer may feel entitled to say or act however they want, and if you are in service, you have encountered the entitled customer before. Uh, This can be harmful for mental health, and it's been talked before at Tamper Tantrum. Uh, Taylor Brown's talk called Coffee I Love You But You're Bringing Me Down is excellent. I suggest you watch that. Um, and so for this, uh, there's this pressure on baristas to perform and absorb microaggressions. And this often overlaps in two areas of racism and sexism. Uh, so this next story is about a barista called Hannah and a customer called Matt. Hannah's working as a barista and Matt often comes in to make comments about her outfits. One day, he leans over the counter and she asks what he's doing. And he's like, I wanna see what pants you're wearing. Hannah's coworker says, that's creepy. And Matt replies, oh, it's creepy, that's okay. No, it, it's not, it's not okay. Um, and Hannah, Hannah's manager asks if she wants to take action against Matt and she says no. Matt comes in a few days later um, and notices Hannah's coworker watching. She says she wants to make sure he doesn't do anything creepy. And Matt jokes, you're never going to let me live that down, are you? At this point, Hannah's manager receives approval to confront the customer and let him know that he's unwelcome. And Matt does return as a customer but never makes an unwelcome comment again. Other short stories I received include for a mixed race female barista, uh, a white female customer with her Asian husband asked about the barista's race, hoping that her babies will look just like her. She also, another customer for the same barista said, mixed race babies are the best looking ones. And a third, but definitely not the least, customer brought her friends over to look at this barista and said, look how pretty she is. For a different female barista, uh, a customer asked, are you married? You should meet my son. And another female barista uh, received this, heard this comment from an older male customer to the male owner, Uh, he said, What are you doing behind the counter? That's for the women. The owner laughed. So these are only a few examples of what baristas can receive at a workplace. Uh, It doesn't cover stairs, objectification, or any of the other pressures to perform. The final power dynamic I want to highlight is that of the peer-to-peer. Uh, There isn't any organizational power in play here. Instead, it's a social power. It's like who's been in coffee the longest? Who has uh, more connections in this industry? So these peers can exist within the company or across the industry Uh, and this dynamic comes up at trade shows or company events. Dr. Dasher Keltner wrote the book, The Power Paradox. It talks about how we're given power by others in a social environment and he says that people rise to power uh, those people are those who contribute to the greater good. Uh, He recognizes five attributes for these people. uh, Enthusiastic, kind, focused, calm, and open. Uh, Those who are recognized to have these attributes are given power by other people and recognized as leaders. Paradoxically Dr. Keltner says that those who rise to power may also become addicted to this power, therefore abusing it. This next story is about Sarah and Michael. These are still fake names. Uh, Sarah is a trainer at a coffee company and Michael is a sales and marketing director. They're essentially peers in the same company. Uh, At an industry event featuring a producer as a speaker, Uh, Michael took an upskirt photo of a fellow manager. He commented on her sexy dress. And while the producer was speaking, Michael loudly complained about how loud and boring the producer was. He was disciplined on the sexual harassment, but he still kept his job. The company held a sexual harassment workshop, and Michael didn't really get the point of this, and he said, Isn't provocative clothing just asking for trouble? And how this relates back to Sarah, uh, Sarah was asked to take a day trip out to visit a wholesale account. Um, And she cited several incidents of harassing behavior by Michael, and I only listed one of them. Uh, She was told by management to stop complaining, let go of the past and move on. She was also told that Michael would never be fired He's still the public face of the company today. This next story is a little shorter. It happened to my friend, I'm gonna call her Rachel, at an industry event a couple months ago. She talked to the event organizers about the microaggressions that she experienced at this event and someone walked up to her and said, I heard you had been raising a ruckus. I'd punish you, but you'd probably like that. These are two examples of peer-to-peer dynamics at play. And moving on, we're going to talk about possible solutions for all this stuff, really positive stuff. Uh, so um, I shared a lot of negative stories and I wanna share some positive ones. Um, these are solutions to give uh, people in lesser power more power. Uh, the first one is active listening. And this is something that uh, my sir and Michelle both touched touched on in their talks. Uh, being active in your listening is, means not just listening to baristas, but also watching their body language, acknowledging their worth. And you can do this in a variety of ways. You can solicit feedback anonymously. You can do one-on-ones with your subordinates. Uh, you can also have multiple avenues of feedback just in case they're uncomfortable with their direct manager. Everyone wants to feel like they are contributing and being listened to. And this is important not just in a cafe, but general life. Uh, This next story is about a barista named Aaron. Um, This barista, Aaron, is really frustrated by how disorganized uh, his inventory management is in his cafe. And his direct manager was overloaded with work and didn't have time to work on a system. Aaron had been studying lean principles and he wanted to apply this theory to organizations and he received approval from his manager, so he set up a Kanban system, K-A-N-B-A-N, uh, for communicating orders. Uh, this was very successful, and Aaron is quite happy. Uh, he, was, he says that the most rewarding thing about all of it was that he felt like he was being listened to. This is the only person who's not anonymized. Uh, you can learn more about setting up this Kanban system in your cafe by reading Aaron Clark's Medium article, Uh, it's called Inventory Management through Kanban. The second solution i like to talk about is having an anti-harassment policy, and this should apply for events, internal communications, and extend out into the retail environment. And I don't mean talking about having just a generic be nice policy. Uh, You need to define what harassment is, offer the consequences, Uh, because be nice is so open to interpretation Uh, And it also puts the pressure on the person reporting this harassment to prove themselves. Uh, To tack on to that, you need to have some training to recognize what harassment is. Uh, Like I mentioned before in all my other stories, it's sometimes subtle. Um, You don't know it unless you see it happening and someone has told you that it's happening. Uh, When you're part of an oppressed group, you don't always feel comfortable speaking up because you don't want to sound like the person who's always complaining. Uh, being an ally is not just about active listening, it's also about taking action when, and speaking up when things don't look right. The final solution I wanna talk about is having a union for baristas and roasters and general coffee professionals. I would like to see it offer collective bargaining, help people understand what their rights are and what steps they can take uh, if an employer is being out of bounds. I don't know if this is something that the BGA can take on, if they can hire a lawyer or something else, a possible solution is out there. Uh, but the stories that I received about employers taking advantage of employees were a little too many stories, and these were all pretty prominent coffee companies. Uh, and the way that they can do this is because they offer low wages. Um, and when they offer these low wages there's this never-ending supply of people who want to work for them Uh, this industry isn't immune to worker exploitation we don't work in a bubble and there are definitely bad employers out there and we need to recognize that so through all of these solicitous stories i identify three common power dynamics there was the structural power of manager and barista the money power of the barista and customer, the social power of peer-to-peer, and there are so many more, and they shape pretty much every interaction you have on a daily basis. Uh, The one prevalent one that I didn't have time to touch on uh, was that of the roaster and producer. In a 2014 research study, titled Power Dynamics, Disrupting or Maintaining of the Coffee Industry as an Institution, talked about how um, Because roasters have control over a symbolic system of this industry, uh, the market inequities are not visible to the consumers. So this system directly affects uh, the producers' capital, limiting uh, their access to government agencies, for example. And this has, of course, changed a little with fair trade and organic certifications with giving producers a voice, Uh, and in most directly affects uh, the small-scale producers. How we present coffee producers in a way is, is in a way where the roasters hold power. Uh, they sometimes control the livelihood of the producers through the green that they're buying. And sometimes is borderline colonialism because we use their faces, their families, and their stories to sell this coffee. At which point do these producers get to have control over the stories that are being told about them? I'm done.
1: Well done, that was excellent. Um, I think uh, it's one of those talks that will become like a Almost like a visual textbook for people to go back and watch the video over and over again. So we're really appreciative of, of uh, yeah talks like this because it, it it's a guide for the rest of us in the industry. Thank you. So would it be fair to say that coffee, the coffee industry, the way it's set up, like with, with barista competitions and with uh, you know whether the roasteries or shops having a certain superstar in place, that it, there's a focus on the individual. Do you think as an in, as an industry we're therefore more susceptible? to the abuse of power dynamics? Because people are put on pedestals and in positions of power, more so than in other industries. Uh,
0: I would almost say companies have more power than individual. Like the only, only people I could see having more power would be the like the world champions. Um, companies hold way more power. Like they're able to do um, Pretty much whatever they want, uh, if if people recognize them as as good, um, but it's uh, I don't know that's a tough one. <laughs> I feel sometimes that like there, it's an industry where there's
1: um, that uh, people are given like unfair uh, kind of positions of power just because of who they are, and it's hard for to change uh... that. So like a company can definitely do more good, but if if one person is seen as the face or the leader of that industry, it's yeah. hard to to you know, chop them down if they're, if they're abusing that power.
0: Yeah, okay, I, I got it now. Um, I'm talking about Steve. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we, we put a lot of um, pressure, not pressure, power, to people who can talk. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, so like people who just philosophize on the internet, um, people who do pseudoscience but claim that everything is true because they experienced it in their cafe um, without acknowledging that maybe what they're doing isn't actual science. Uh, And so people will say like, oh, I heard this person did this, so it must be right.
1: It's like an aggressive absolute that's put up. Right. Okay. I think we're going to the audience for questions. we? I'm going again i looking for hands. Oh, nobody wants
2: to talk to us.
1: I think it's you, Steve.
2: I can't talk.
0: Was the talk too heavy? <laughs> I, I've actually got a question I'd
2: like to ask. Yeah. Um, from the responses that you had, mm-hmm. were you surprised by the amount that you got and the severity of some of the responses that came through? The kind of the, cause some of those stories
0: fairly shocking a bunch of them were pretty shocking like i i knew that sexual harassment happened and racism happened but i didn't know to like the exact uh words um and i i chose not all the worst stories um because a lot of the really bad ones had so much backstory that i didn't didn't have time uh to talk about them um so like the uh the one about I think I called them Sarah and Michael, like the sales director with the upskirt photo. Like there was so much happening in that company that should not have happened, but I couldn't go into it. Uh, and,
2: yeah. and did you see any trends coming from the information you were kind of pulling in? Because I'm guessing with that amount of data, you can start to see certain things being yeah. more of a problem than others.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I mentioned before, it was like employers uh, taking advantage of, of employees. And it's not just financial, it was, um, it was giving them a job because they knew they were passionate about that job and they were willing to do whatever it takes. Uh, and there are also people who, um, who ignored workers' rights, the, the laws that were around all of, all of these employees. Um, and part of doing that, like, sometimes it's not intentional, but it, it, we're such a young industry. Like, people start coffee shops at such a young age that they don't know the laws. Um, and that's a problem of itself, uh, something else that needs to be addressed.
2: I'm kind of pleased now that you asked a question, because I actually, I've got another one as well. <laughs> from the You were talking about the, the farmer's perspective and the power dynamics there. Um, Kind of, I find it quite interesting when we talk about it, because we obviously do have pair-over co- coffee producers, but could you, can you see any examples of where that can be turned around? I mean, I certainly have had experiences where farmers have had power over me because of the demand for that coffee or demand for that farm. I mean, do you think it's a two-way street, or that's just a very rare okay, you know, occurrence?
0: I think it can be a two-way street, but what you see usually um, as a consumer or even as a coffee professional, um, you... You see people's faces uh, in magazines, on bags of coffee uh, or even in, like, in a store, you see like, producers' faces and families and kids and just there. Um, and it's, it's sometimes disturbing because you're using these stories uh, to paint this, this picture of you, the, the buyer or the roaster or barista saving these people and rescuing them from uh, whatever poor livelihood they had before, um, and that's a problem. It's not obvious. It's not all producers, um, and definitely there are producers with a lot more power now. Yeah,
1: I think it's it's never really been seen as a revenue stream either, like a potential one, because it's very common that we see a barista, for example, being the face of a product and then getting paid, you know, a royalty for that and getting. So if, if, if farmers do want and producers want to get involved in that by their own free will, then we should see that as a revenue stream for them and not just yeah, abuse yeah. that power. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like, it, it really depends on like, who's controlling it. Like, do the producers have a say on how their photo is being used? Do they know that photo is going to be used? Do they know their kids are going to be used to sell the, your coffee? Um, and are they okay with that? Like, if they're okay with that, then sure. Um, but I don't see that happening Mm
3: -hmm. I mean roasting for almost four years two different companies but the second one that you mentioned when they take advantage of your passion and the ambition that you want to grow and especially for my accent as well they they it's hard to find a solution because what do you do did you quit you knock the door make, you are trying to be loud. Like, dude, you are, I think this this week was ridiculous hard. Like, I don't know, 1,700 pounds by your own, by yourself. Roaster broke. You have to go to another small roaster, so moving for a 30 pound to a 15 pound is like ridiculous more work. But then what you do? You quit, and then what? Like, the passion, that's what you keep there. Yeah. It's like, there is no more doors. It's hard to find, as a roaster, with a a small barista to career to find a job. Like, you just have to stay in it and just be quiet, use headphones and keep going. And listen to tantrum. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, that's pretty tough, because you're, it sounds like it would be an employer that doesn't want to change, um, and I don't know how to fix that. Uh, you, I, like, I've encountered people like that where they, they know they're harassing employees, or like they know something's happening, but they don't care. Um, and that's more of something that the greater industry needs to start calling out. Um, I'm not going to name the companies that people have told me, but they're all recognizable names. Like the things that they've experienced in all of these companies, um, it's bad. And if you don't talk about it, um, if these people don't talk about it, uh, then the next barista or the next roaster is just going to get the same experience. Um, and I, I don't really know what the ex- this solution is. Yeah, it's, um, like yeah. it's, it's rough, yeah.
2: Fantastic talk, thank you. Thank you. Please, a big round of applause for Jen Chen.